So, dear brothers and sisters, happy St. Bridget's Day to you all. It's um, very interesting to read the lives of the saints, especially uh, the early church saints, because obviously things happened so long ago, and many historians then will, will see this mix of, of reality and legend and then try to decipher it and then try to discern it. Well, discern might be a strong word. Try to maybe tear it apart might be more accurate, actually. Uh, so, so often what, what you're left with is, is kind of a, a bit unsure, okay? So I think what's really important when we t- speak about these, these uh, saints of, of the first millennium is to get back to what they were trying to do, right? And if the Lord allows miracles, absolutely fantastic. But, like, we don't tell these stories as, as fairy tales. We don't tell these uh, for entertainment, you know? The, the goal of the, even, even if these fantastic things did happen, wonderful if they did, but that's not why we tell these stories, so I was reading an article this morning about St. Bridget, and um, there was definitely an agenda behind uh, the person who wrote it because they were saying, you know, St. Bridget uh, was a woman far ahead of her time. Now, as soon as I read that, I went, oh, here we go. So she was a powerful woman who knew how to lead, and at a time in a male-dominated church, male, there was no church, there was barely a church at all in Ireland, male-dominated. Anyway, and a church, church, when the church, at the time of the church when it was so male-dominated, you know, she lit the f- flame of, of, of the faith and uh, wouldn't allow herself to be swayed by any man sort of thing. I thought, this is just applying 21st century feminism on a 5th century saint. She wasn't a feminist. She loved Jesus. You know what I mean? That's what she did. She loved the Lord. That, that's what, that, her greatness is, is her littleness, as in so many saints. Her greatness is her smallness, not this kind of, you know, I'm going to show them men that we women can be powerful and faithful and, you know, go again, rise up against the system. That's, that's not saint. Like, she was a woman who loved the Lord. And so, so from an early age, so St. Patrick came to Ireland in around uh, 432. Uh, she was born in or around uh, 450. So she would have been quite young uh, when they overlapped. Uh, again, the years are a bit fuzzy. It's not entirely sure. Uh, but it, legend has it anyway that, that they knew each other, that Bridget and Patrick knew each other. Uh, and there's no doubt like that if they did, I think it must have been one of those, one of those wholesome, beautiful friendships where, where these two people, you know, with a profound love for the Lord, could walk together in some way, evangelizing the country. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those wholesome, beautiful things. We, sometimes people read scandal into as soon as a man and a woman have a friendship. My goodness, like, do you know, I see, getting back to the basics, what made these, these saints great? Their love for the Lord. Their love for Jesus. That's what makes them great. So, uh, Bridget then wants to give her life uh, in this newfound faith, this very, very young faith in Ireland, on the edge of the known world, you know. Uh, this place was still forested everywhere, and so, so much of it was, was I mean, we were never a united nation. We were never one country of Ireland, you know, so those always, there were always factions and wars and difficulty. It wasn't an easy place to live. And so in all this confusion in that, she finds this, this, this Christian faith, this, 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 this God, this three in one and one in three, and this God who was love and compassion and mercy, and this God who's willing to die on a cross for us. This God who, if he's willing to die for, for us at the end of the known world, well, then, then everybody is important to him. Then, then every person is important to God. Every person is loved by God. And if that's how he sees everyone, well, that's how I must see everyone. So the poor, the rich, the, the, the invalids, the uneducated, whoever, everyone is loved by God. That's how I now must live. In virtue of my faith, I must treat everyone with the same kind of love that God does. 
So this is what's motivating her, not 21st century feminism. So her love for the Lord, her love for the Lord. So there are all sorts of uh, wonderful stories associated with her. So when then she discovers this faith and starts to live this faith, she wants to give her life to the Lord. But she had the unfortunate cross of being kind of pretty. You know, it's not easy. I mean, I wouldn't know anything about it, like, but, but apparently, from people I've spoken to. She was, so she was a bit pretty, right, which happens. And then obviously there were many suitors and possible uh, husbands out there look, looking for her hand in marriage, and she wanted to uh, give her life to the Lord. She didn't, so this was kind of becoming an obstacle to her. We did a little play here a couple of years ago where one of our girls had to, had to act this out, and she was absolutely hilarious because, you know, they were all looking at her, going, oh, she's so beautiful. And then Brenda Bridget prays, Lord, please take away my good looks and then she just pulled a face which was nothing short of horrific and just, just got, just this bulbous thing it was, a, it was so so funny uh, but just to get across the idea you know um, yes Lisa Blackwell um, so just to get across this idea you know, that this is what she was willing to do to give her life to the Lord take away my good looks which apparently then he did when she became uh, a sister then uh, giving, or, or giving her, her vows to, to Saint Mel, she received the veil and apparently then these, these good looks returned. Again, not for, not for vanity, but for, I've made you beautiful. God has created her, her a beautiful creation. That, that's not a sin. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So then she sets about wanting to establish a convent. And of course, she had no money. So she went to a farmer and said, look, a landowner, and said, look, I would like... Uh, piece of terrain and he said great how much how much how much are you offering and she said I have no money at all and he said that's that's ridiculous he said look tell you what and she said no, but the Lord will bless you I'm sure he will I'm sure he will tell you what look I'll give you as much land now as your little veil there will cover so she throws down her veil and it just miraculously spreads out and gives her enough terrain then for the whole convent great okay there was also the flame of St. Bridget you can see it in our little stained glass window there the flame of St. Bridget, obviously in the early church in, in the Celtic, in Celtic pagan Ireland, when we talk about Celtic spirituality, that means uh, pagan spirituality because the Celts themselves were pagan. The Celts weren't Christians. So Celtic spirituality is pagan spirituality. Uh, and for them, uh, the f- obviously fire was very important. Without fire, you died. Without fire, you couldn't sterilize things. Without fire, you couldn't cook. So fire was, was, was considered very, very powerful. Even in our own day, it's still, it's still, uh, it's still it's very symbolic. But for them, even more so. So when Patrick lights the hill, lights the fire, uh, the hill opposite Tara, you know, all these kind of things are very, very symbolic at the time. So St. Bridget as well had a fire in her monastery, which there are records of from the 13th century, saying that the fire was still tended by the, the, the sisters of, of St. Bridget there and kept burning 24 7. 365 days a year, just as a sign of the, the, the power of Christ here, the, the light of faith in this country. It survived up until uh, the Cromwellian uh, persecutions. So, and the, yeah, in recent years, the, the Bridgetine sisters um, relit it in, in Market Square in Kildare, and it's now uh, in their property in Solace Breed or something like that it's called. Uh, so that's, that's where that flame is, is maintained now. So there are all sorts of, I guess, as a wonderful stories and legends associated with her but I think what's so important to get back back to is just her, her faith her faith and as, as I was praying about it last night and this morning just the, the, the verse from Philippians uh, 3 8 came to mind 
And I can imagine this, this is the kind of faith that she had because this is the kind of faith that she lived. You know, we, we see the kind of faith, faith a person has by what they do. It's what they, it's what they live shows what they believe. It's what they do shows what their heart is. And St. Paul writes, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as so much rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This was St. Bridget. And so we thank the Lord for her, for the gift of her faith, for her constancy, for her courage, for her tireless serving spirit. And we ask for her intercession today now for our own country, for the renewal of the faith here in Ireland, that she may intercede for us and bless us, that that flame of faith may continue burning brightly for many centuries to come.